I help lead Zion City students, which is what y'all are part of. One of these days we're going to change the name into something a little bit smaller, a little bit more fun, a little bit less uh, three words. Ain't nobody go like, you know, I'm so excited for students, right? But hey, how many of y'all are excited to be here even though the names isn't? Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it, Matt. Hey, uh, tonight we're going to continue on in our series on stress. Somebody say stress. Say, you stressing me out. No, come on. You got to say it like you mean it. Say, you stressing me out. Right? How many of y'all got friends that just stress you out all the time? Come on. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Right? How many of y'all are those friends that stress other people out? Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Feel it. It's okay. Uh, we accept you anyways. Right? We're so, we're so glad that you're here. Um, but before we jump in tonight to talking about stress, I want to pray um, because I believe everything we do should start with prayer. Anybody else here believe that prayer is a good thing? Come on, y'all. Awesome. So let me pray. Pray with me in this moment. Jesus, help us to uh, hear what you have tonight. God, I pray as we are maybe distracted, maybe looking at things. God, maybe getting texts. God, help us to put our phones and just do not disturb. Help us to be locked in because I believe this, God. You have something for us tonight. God, that you want to speak to your sons and daughters. And God, the, the question is not whether or not you are speaking. The question is whether or not we are listening. God, help us to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen, amen, amen. All right, y'all, I got a question. I got a question for y'all. How many of y'all have ever been around somebody or maybe yourself experienced uh, someone or yourself having a panic attack? Come on, let me see, let me see, let me see. All right, I'm not going to make you identify, right? How many of y'all got nervous being around the panic attack? Because you're like, what am I supposed to do? Do you need me to pat your back like a kid who's choking? Like, what am I supposed to do here, right? I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to define a panic attack because I think a panic attack is um, oftentimes um, we have many panic attacks, but we don't call them that. We get stressed about, about what college we're going to. We get stressed out about work. We get stressed out about the relationship that we're in. And we have little moments where we let this fear or this overwhelming sense of, oh my gosh, I can't handle this, kind of derail what our plans are for that moment, for that day, for that week. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? Y'all ever had somebody in your life who gets a little wrapped around the axle about something and can't do anything, right? They suddenly stop like, you know, it's like mom or, or somebody you're connected to. And in that moment, they get so wrapped around the axle, get so panicked that they literally just like freeze. You're like, what is going on in this moment? But I want to define a panic attack. A panic attack is a sudden episode of intense fear. Somebody say fear. Come on, say fear, right? Fear that triggers severe reactions when there is no real danger or apparent cause. Somebody say no real danger. Right? How many of y'all have ever been in a dangerous situation before? Come on, tell the truth, right? Some of y'all, like, when you run around with your friends in the neighborhood, you get in trouble, and you, like, sense this danger, right? You sense something going on. You're out in the wilderness, and you see an animal, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, there's a story of a, a family in our church that went on a picnic to Mount Lemon. And they went to Mount Lemon, and they happened to be hanging out, and they're eating, having a good time. They're hanging out with another family. And next thing you know, they're on Mount Lemon, and a black bear shows up and is like, I'm trying to eat, yo. And the best part is, is that we hear the story. It actually happened to be a pastor on staff. He actually throws his dog, like, eat the dog. I got to save my... No, I'm just playing. He didn't do that. He goes like, oh, my gosh. This is the coolest church ever. 
No, like no joke. There's this moment of intense fear and they grab the family. They run to their car. They close the door and the, literally the bear is literally just like eating bologna or whatever they had, like just having a good time. Like, thanks guys for lunch. This was awesome, right? And what I'll tell you is in that moment, there is actual real danger. But oftentimes when we get scared, there's no real danger. We get nervous, we get frightened, we get spooked because of things we don't understand, not because of real danger. Um, I, can I tell you, there's a word that we like to use as a culture, and it's called stress. Somebody say stress. Like, I'm just so stressed out. How many of y'all have ever said that? Yeah. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Come on, right? Like, how many of y'all have ever, like, your mom's like, what's, what's wrong? Like, you're not eating. Mom, I'm just so stressed. My chemistry teacher doesn't like me. You, they don't have to like you your teacher, right? The, the sooner you can come to that understanding as a young man, young woman, that not everyone will like you and that's okay. Oh, I need some louder amens from some adults in the room, right? Not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. Amen. Because I'll tell you the one person who does matter and his name is Jesus and he loves you and he died for you. He said, you are worth everything that I have to give. That's how much I like you. And his like is so much better than anything a person can give us. But we use the word stress, and that's the sexy word for fear. I'm just so stressed. I'm just such a mover and shaker. I just pull all these things off. Like I'm just, you know, I'm an influencer, and there's all this stress that comes with being an influencer. And can I tell you, stress is really just a code word in our society and our culture for fear. Somebody say fear. We also use the term anxiety as a cover for fear. I'm just so anxious. I'm so nervous. I'm so wrapped up. And really, that's just a code word for fear. Because there's really the raw, if they go to the base of the emotion, I am afraid of X. I am afraid of people not liking me, so it gives me social anxiety. I am afraid of people judging me before they get to know me, so it gives me social anxiety. It is fear at the base of it all. But can I tell you, being afraid is normal. And instead of maybe medicating a spirit of fear, we need a spiritual response to a spirit of fear. 15 to 20% of us in this room will have an experience, an intense phobia in our lifetime. Okay, so two out of every 10, one out of five. If you look down your row and there's five people, one out of the five people are going to have a weird phobia. Dang. Whatever you do, don't look around right now if it's you. Just keep your eyes straight forward. It's not me, right? Can I list some really goofy phobias that I found? All right, here's the first one. Here's the first one. This one is really good. This one is like classic. I would say for a little bit in my life, I was scared of this. Arachnophobia is the fear of? Y'all are so smart, right? How many people would say, I am afraid of a spider, right? Especially when you move to Arizona and they're like, they got black widows here. That'll kill you, Holmes. You're like, how do, how do I know? How do I know? Well, you'll see there'll be a little red hourglass on its underside of the belly. But the only way you'll see that is if it's already killed you, right? Like you're like, how am I? What? All right, here's another one. This one is really, really good. If you have this one, I'm just going to cry for you because it is so sad that you're afraid of this. It is called arachibutyrophobia. It is the fear of peanut butter. I'm going to just pour one out for you, homie. Ain't nothing better than some PB. Come on, y'all. Peanut butter. I, I, maybe, and I know that there's a phobia. I didn't put Lissy here because I couldn't say it, but it's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. It's a phobia. Yeah, no, there's some, there's some goofy phobias. All right, y'all ready for this one? This one is teradophobia. Somebody say teradophobia. It is the fear of ferns. Ferns, like, like the plants. <laughs> Don't you bring that fern around here, dog. You know I got teradophobia. 
Y'all ready for another one? This one, I honestly like feel like we secretly have it, but like then there's the other people who have a love of this thing, like an obsessive, compulsive love of this thing. But here's the fear of this thing. It's called somnophobia, and it's the fear of sleep. I am afraid to fall asleep. How many of y'all would say I have the opposite of that? I love sleep, right? All the teenagers who are going through growth spurts are like, yes, my legs hurt, right? My knees hurt, right? My growth plates cry about it, right? I can remember um, when I first started dating Erica, I was like, so like, tell me about yourself. She's like, well, and of course I like tell her like I was scared of spiders growing up. Like we're just having conversation. If you can't talk to the person you're dating, it's probably not going to be a very good relationship. Ooh, ooh. If, if, if you only date them because they're cute or they're handsome or because they're popular or because they'll text you, good morning. If you can't have a conversation and be like, wow, I actually enjoy talking to you. It's probably not going to be a very good relationship. But back to the story. I'm talking to Erica, and she goes, well, I used to be scared of this really, like, unique. I guess it was just, like, for me. And I was like, oh, tell me about it, you know. I'm, I'm listening, right, active listening, right. And I'm talking to her, and she goes, well, when I was younger, my dad, dad used, used to purchase me these porcelain dolls. And she would pour, he would purchase these porcelain dolls. How many of y'all know what a porcelain doll is, right? If you don't know, it's like a doll that is glass. Like it's like glass and it's painted. It's very, very ornate, very, very pretty. Um, but it's definitely not something you play with. It's like a display piece. It's like all those lame sneaker heads that just display shoes instead of wear them. <laughs> shoes are meant to be worn. Can I get an amen from somebody? But she has these porcelain dolls, and her dad proceeds to build shelves around her room and has multiple rows of these shelves around her room. And instead of maybe facing them away, they're all facing in at Erica. How old were you? Like all of her elementary school. So like from basically 6 till 12, there's porcelain dolls at night staring at this little 7-year-old, 8-year-old girl. And Erica swears that they would move. She'd be sitting there sleeping, and it'd be like, <laughs> and she'd be like, what was that? Right? And what doesn't help is, is that just a couple years prior, her brother had had a bat get into his room. And no joke, this is like another fear that they developed. Um, is he, 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 her older brother, Alex, goes, Dad, there's a, how many of y'all saw The Land Before Time? How many of y'all know what that is? It's the dinosaur, right? It's a great, great film. Um, I, I feel like it's what created all the millennial vegetarians because carnivores are bad guys in the show. But I love meat. Can I get some bacon people who love bacon? Amen. So, no joke, he's chilling in his room just to sleep. He's probably, what, five? Five. And this bat somehow gets into his room. And when they shut the lights off, this bat starts flying around the room as he's like five years old. It's like, and he wakes up and he goes, dad, dad. And what's the character's name? Petrie, which is the pterodactyl. Petrie's in my room, dad. And of course, dad responds like, you're crazy. There's no way. There's not a, there's not a pterodactyl, right? Am I saying it wrong? Pterodactyl, pterodactyl. That's how y'all know I went to Marana. We got to spell out all our syllables and our letters, pterodactyl. But no joke, there's this bat in his room. And next thing you know, dad's like, well, you know, he's just scared. I'll sit with him and he'll fall asleep. And next thing you know, the bat like flies by dad's head. So there's a lot of crazy things going on in Erica's household at night. Porcelain dolls moving, bats flying around rooms. But how many of y'all know fear is very, very connected to our childhood? Yeah. 
Like you remember being a kid, getting scared of like goofy things, right? And as you get older, you're like, man, I don't get scared of that anymore. I'm tough. And then like they shut the lights off when you're in the basement. You're like, oh, and you like run up the stairs. Y'all don't have basements. In the Midwest, that's like the big thing is like if you're downstairs and you have to hit the light and run up the stairs, there's definitely, true Matt, there's something coming for your ankles. Like it is like, you got to move, so. But fear is so, much more, is so much more than just a simple response to stimulus. What are we afraid of? We're afraid of something that might happen. Something might grab us. Something might happen, right? I might make a fool of myself. I might not make the team. I might not do a good job. We let the mights, we let the possibilities create fear in us. But fear is also a spirit that left unchecked will ruin and dominate the way we live our lives. Fear is not just something that happens in your brain. There's actually a spirit of fear that the Bible talks about. And a spirit, I'm not trying to get all spiritual and new age and like, well, just like if your energy orbs are in sync, then there's no fear, right? No, no, no. What I'm talking about is that there is a spiritual attack from a very real devil that throws a spirit of fear that attacks us and it messes up how we choose to live our lives. Many of our biggest blunders, how many of y'all ever made a big mistake in your life? Come on, tell the truth, shame devil. Point to somebody you know who's made a big blunder. Come on, all y'all can point at me. It's okay, right? Many of our biggest blunders have come as a response of fear. Fear encourages us to let our lizard brain. Somebody say lizard brain. Right? Lizard brain lead us. Here's what the lizard brain is, okay? The lizard brain is the part of the brain which primitive, non-rational, or self-interested behavior is attributed. Let me read those again. Primitive non-rational or self-interested behavior. Here's the first point of my message tonight. My lizard brain wants to mess me up. Your lizard brain makes you panic um, when you're behind the wheel of a car. There's no other cars, but you're learning how to drive. You're like, ah, ah. And, and whoever's teaching you how to drive is like, oh, I wish I had a brake on my side, right? Right? There's, there's primitive actions where we get scared, where we hide, right? How many of y'all remember when you were a kid and you broke something or did something bad? You would run and hide. Like, does that eliminate the problem? Right? Could you imagine if that's how we approached our life, like in our relationship? Like, oh, man, I'm so sorry I forgot to come into work today. I'm just never showing up again. Like, that's not how real life works. That's an immature response to fear. And that's what causes, that comes from our lizard brain. And all three of those functions, primitive. Somebody say primitive. primitive. Somebody say non-rational. Self-interested. All three of these functions are underdeveloped and childish. All three of those. Primitive, right? Uh, uh, it's the kid who wants to figure out what's going on in that electrical socket. And they go, right? Better investigate. And even though mom and dad say, hey, don't do that thing, right? My, my, our recent wrestling match with Brandy, can I be vulnerable with you guys? She figured out how to open the toilet and reach her hand in and splash around. And then just proceeds to like run around. And Erica's like, ah, wash your hands, right? And I'm literally like, babe, the water's clean. It's not used water, right? All the dads said amen, right? No. What I'll tell you is, is that you have to teach a kid. And even though Erica slaps her hand, like, don't do that. She looks at her like. <laughs> and it's the primitive. It's that we go, no, 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 I don't believe you. I have to figure this out for myself. Fear often makes us feel childlike. How many of y'all have been scared and you feel like a little kid? You're like, oh. And we act like children in response to our fear. 
Can I tell you, fear doesn't require a childlike response. It requires mature response. When you're scared and you operate in lizard brain, you make dumb decisions. Oh, oh, I messed up. I better just run away. Right? You remember when you were a little kid and you messed up? You're like, I'm running away. You're like, why? It was a vase. You forgot to take the trash can out. Right? You forgot to pull out the chicken so it would be defrosted by the time we had dinner. Right? It's not that big a deal. Your biggest mistake is not, is not, uh, uh, is not comparative to your childlike response to that fear. Fear is housed in the part of our brain called the amygdala. Somebody say amygdala. The amygdala. This part of our brain helps us to stay safe and avoid danger. But check out what this amygdala can do. This small part of our brain can shut down entire systems in our body. Some people have such intense responses to fear that they go into an asthma attack. I've never had asthma before, but they'll start, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. It's like, did we vacuum out all the air? No, no, no. It's that this fear is literally shutting down an internal system in our body. It releases hormones and creates responses in our bodies that far exceed what our situation calls for. Right? Um, I, love, I love watching movies, especially um, when like, there's like a superhero movie. And what will happen is a little kid will be like, you know, like the building's falling. And it's falling really, really slow. Like really, really slow. And the kid's like. Y'all, like, can we just be real for a moment? That is so Hollywood. <laughs> like the movie I'm thinking about is Spider-Man 1 with, uh, with, uh, from, uh, with Tobey Maguire. And there's a kid, and he's literally like watching this whole building come down. And he's like, and all the other people are running, and they're like, ah! And he's just like, and can I tell you, though it's Hollywood, that is so true of what we choose to do in fear. We allow it to freeze us, right? We think about all the times when you had to make a big decision, you just go, I'll just sleep on it. And you do that for three weeks. Oh, Hello. Right? You think about like, hey, we've got to make a decision. Hey, I've got to figure out what college I'm going to. Oh, whichever one costs the least, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. And we allow fear to immobilize us when God says, hey, I want you to go do that thing. Instead of actually doing it or going, no, God, I don't want to listen to you. We just sit there. God, if I don't move, he won't see me. <laughs> right? And in movies and in media, being immobilized by fear is sometimes a joke, but can I tell you, it's very real in our internal, in our hearts and in our minds, how we choose to lean in or don't lean into fear. Um, I think about, um, there's, a, there's a term called the fetal position. How many of y'all have heard of the fetal position, right? And it's the, it's the position where people curl up and they try and protect themselves. They try and hide. They try and make themselves as small as possible. Um, the fetal position is not connected to um, maturity, the fetal position is not connected to strength or leadership or like that's not something that you would anticipate. Like, you know, LeBron James is not going to curl into the fetal position after he wins the NBA championship. That's not what victors do. Winners or people who succeed in life, people who are fulfilling what God has called them to do, don't like, don't look at me. Because there's, there's an assurance inside of them to go, no, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm doing what God has placed me on this earth to do. And fear wants to immobilize you and keep you from what God has for you. Can I tell you, me and you don't have to be immobilized by fear. Fear is often so much more than just a response in our brain. The Bible references that spirit of fear I talked about. Somebody say spirit of fear. This spirit attacks our minds and begins to disrupt our lives through fear, worry, stress, and anxiety. 
Here's the next point of my message. Fear doesn't control me. Fear doesn't control me. And, and I know you're like, oh, it does for me. It's because you're allowing it to. There's no part of God's design for you to be dominated by fear. God didn't put you on this planet like, man, I just hope they live just the most scared life ever. I hope that I just died on a cross. I set my perfect son down to die, and I hope they are just scared of everything. No, that's not what Jesus, Jesus wouldn't want us to live that way. And I'll prove it to you. Psalms 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fear. Somebody say all. all. Somebody say all. all. That means the phobia. That means when you're scared of talking to the girl, hello. Oh, gentlemen, I might help you out. Be like, nah, God, you gave me strength to talk to this girl. Uh, God told me I'm courageous, and can I talk to you? Right? No, don't, don't initiate like that. Don't initiate like that. Uh, if you have any questions on how to initiate and talk to a lady, talk to David. Uh, he's the expert. So, uh, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But what I'll tell you is, is that the reason why this verse, keep this verse up there, I sought the Lord and he answered me. So what was the first part? Seeking the Lord. Then the next part is he delivers you from all your fears. Fear is existing regardless of the situation, but how you escape or how you overcome your fear is you seek the Lord. Instead of just going like, I'll just, I'll just wait till tomorrow. I'll just, I'll just grit it out. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. The biblical process for overcoming a spirit of fear is not medication. And I'm talking about a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear is not medication. It's not good food. Oh, hello. It's not a relationship. It's not that boy. It's not that girl. It's not talking to someone and getting attention, texting somebody, posting that Instagram picture so people will like it and comment it. Yas, queen. That doesn't eliminate your fear. It distracts you and takes your attention off of it, but the fear still remains. The process of overcoming fear is to seek the Lord. He will answer you and deliver you from your fears. You don't get scared and then God uh, 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 will just take the fear away and then you get to seek him. Because a lot of us view our fear that way. Well, when I'm not so scared, when I'm not thinking about this, then I'll go after God. Can I tell you, your fear will always immobilize you and keep you from stepping into what God has for you? Psalms 56, 3 through 4 says this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Verse 4. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust am not, and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I love this verse because it's got a little attitude. I'm like, ooh, let's go, Psalms. Like, yeah, what you going to do, son? What you going to do, son? Like, oh, you're going to punch me? Nice. <laughs> what hurts for a moment does have, has no eternal impact on my life. You talking shade about me on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Snapchat has no effect on my eternal perspective. Oh, hello. If you catch this, you'll suddenly start being bold for Jesus in your school. You'll stop being afraid to talk about Jesus and what he's doing in your life on the basketball team. You'll suddenly stop being afraid of being who God has called you to be and allowing all of the other people to dictate what you value and what you don't value, what you talk about, what you don't talk about, and go, what can you do to me? What can you do to me? Even like, if you get this, like this is, the, this is the opinion that the martyrs for Jesus had. It's like, even if you kill me, dog, I got eternity with Jesus. Even if you torture me, I'm gonna be rewarded for it because God says that those who are persecuted will be rewarded in heaven. 
oh man, like if you catch this, you'll, you'll, you'll get bold. You'll start a, a club on your school. You'll start a Bible club. You'll go, hey, we're going to talk about Jesus. Hey, instead of talking about all the, all, the, all the dirty stuff, all the immoral stuff, all the sexual stuff that everyone else talks about at their lunch table, we're going to talk about Jesus and watch what happens in people's lives. Because I'll tell you, that's my story. I did that in my school and I didn't do that. I still had a lunch table. We still goofed around. I still threw, threw food at Julian in high school, y'all. I still had fun, but I'll tell you, I ran a club and it changed me. It stretched me and I go, oh my goodness, I got to be a believer because they know I'm a believer now. It's not just hiding at Wednesday night. It's not just hiding on Sunday morning and then I get to be who I really am at school. Suddenly those two places become connected and suddenly I got to see people who, I no joke, I met who like didn't have a relationship with Jesus or didn't have a real strong relationship with Jesus. And then I get to see them come connect with that club, get connected with our church, and then get married in our church and are now massive parts of what our church does in and through the city. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Every time you're afraid, there's a new level of trust you have to add. You can't rely on old trust for new fears. Mm. When you go into the next season, you can't add, you can't be like, well, I trusted God before with, like my, with my allowance when I was 12. Well, now you got a salary and a wife to provide for. Oh, man, now you got college to figure out, young man. Man, you got to figure out what you're doing in your life. You got to figure out this thing. And suddenly the trust before is not sufficient, and I got to go, I got to trust to a whole nother level. Can I, t- can I be very real and very honest? Um, we're getting ready to take off on a missions trip in eight days. I'm so excited. How many of y'all are going on that missions trip? Let me see. Come on. Y'all, can you celebrate them? How lit is that? We're going on a missions trip. We're literally going to Kenya, and then we're going to be out in the middle of nowhere playing soccer. It's going to be amazing. We're going to build a church. We're going to minister. We're, people are going to get marked um, for God both in Kenya and on our trip. It's going to be amazing. But can I tell you that there is a part of me that has to trust God because I have to leave my 16-month-old here. That I'm jumping on a plane going across the world, and if something happens to me, who's raising my daughter? I have to think about that. And I can trust God with when I was 17. I can trust God when I was 17, and I was like, God, I'm trusting you with my first paycheck. But as new fears arise, there requires a new level of trust. There requires a new level of trust in God. You can't rely on the past seasons when new fears present themselves. When you get married, how many of y'all are married in here? Let me see, let me see a couple people. Awesome. When you're married, you have to trust God to a whole nother level. It's not just you anymore. You're not just like, yeah, you know, like God's, God's good. Like if a cute boy walks in, I'm good. Suddenly you now have another person and you're like, God, I have to trust that this person is who they said they were before we put the ring on. Oh, Hello. I got to trust that they're not going to go crazy and steal all my money because they got access to my bank account and disappear to the, to the Bahamas, to the Bermuda Triangle, and I'll never see them ever again. I have to trust to a whole nother level because there's new fears. And can I tell you, you can't trust what you don't know? Oh, hello. I'm telling you to trust God to a whole nother level. You're like, I don't even know God. I know God because my mom tells me about him. Or I know God because other people around me go to church. You can't. Trust what you don't know. Have you spent time in the Bible? Have you spent time in his word? You can't know God without reading his word. Anybody who tells you differently is full of it. Anybody who says they have a relationship with God but has not touched the Bible does not really know God. 
Oh, maybe that's a little strong. Maybe that's a little strong. Maybe I'm going to hang out here for a little bit. If you say I'm a believer of Jesus and you haven't touched your Bible for you in the last three months, I'd, I'd pause. I don't know if that's true. Because God said he is his word. This is my word incarnate. My son is the word. You cannot know Jesus. You cannot know God without spending time in your Bible. You can come to church. You can do the dance. You can, ooh, ooh, ooh. You can do all that. You can be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're vibing, we're vibing. Did you all do that tonight? Oh, no, not tonight, not tonight. That's a boom night special, so right? You can do the dance. You can throw the football. You can hang out. You'd be like, man, Julian, God's so good, but you haven't read your Bible. How can you say you really know God? Have you ever just worshiped Jesus in the quiet of your room for you? If the only time you worship is for other people to blend into the crowd, it's really not a real worship. Have you prayed not just requests, but relationship with God? Without knowing God, your life will be ruled by fear. The fear of not being good enough. Hello. The fear of not pleasing others. Gentlemen, this probably applies to you a little bit, but the fear of failure, the fear of not being able to provide for the wife, for the kids one day. The fear of not having enough. Maybe you didn't have, enough, have a lot growing up and you're so scared to go back to that place and you live your life pursuing things, pursuing enough food, enough, enough things to feel comfortable, but it's still fear. And maybe even this, the fear of missing out. I'm gonna miss out on something. And can I tell you, you're missing out on the best thing and his name is Jesus. There's never been a moment that I have regretted spending time with Jesus. Man, I wish I would've gone to the party instead of reading my Bible tonight. I know you're like, nerd, Bible thumper. And until you've tried it, oh, until you've tried it, I don't know if you have a whole lot of room to speak. How many of y'all, I'll ask this, and you can raise your hand. How many of y'all want to overcome a spirit of fear when it comes upon you? Come on, come on. All right, can I teach you how to do it? Can I teach you? Can y'all preach, help me preach tonight, come on. Yes, all right. To overcome fear, Stop, listen, and hear. Okay? To overcome fear, stop, listen, and hear. So can I tell you, if you're scared and you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off, incredible imagery. I don't know where that phrase came from. I can't say that in Kenya because they're going to be like, uh, we don't, uh, chickens? No, I don't. Uh, we have goats and cows. To overcome fear, stop, listen, and hear. Stop the fear-based actions. Stop acting scared. Stop running around. Stop running to everybody and be like, what do you think I should do? And you're asking other 12-year-olds who've never experienced what you're experienced. You're asking people who don't really have all the answers. Every person you ask doesn't have all the answers. The only person you can ever ask a question to who has every answer, his name is Jesus. Yes. To overcome fear, stop, listen, listen to God. Stop listening, stop, stop all the distractions. Stop the YouTube Stop the Netflix, stop all the, all the podcasts, stop all the funny YouTube shorts, stop all the TikTok, stop all those things and listen to what God is saying. We listen to too many things. Put that back up, put that back up. To overcome fear, stop, listen, and hear. Can I tell you the difference between listening and hearing? Is that hearing is actually, it, it, listening is, is being able to respond 
Hearing is like, I heard it, I heard it. But hearing, hearing in this sense is, are you creating an opportunity for God to continue to speak? Hearing. You're not hearing me. And God is constantly speaking. To overcome fear, stop, listen, and hear. Your ability to overcome fear is not rooted in your strength. No matter how how much you can bench, bro, you're still going to get scared. No matter how much you can squat, no matter how cool you are, no matter how many Instagram followers, no matter how how intelligent you are, that doesn't overcome fear. The current state of your life, the key to overcoming fear is leaning in to what God is saying to you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, and David, you can make your way up here. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given you a spirit of fear. So you don't have to take it. You don't have to listen to it. It's not a gift from God, so it's not something you need to hang on to. God has given us the opposite of fear. The question with fear is not how to avoid it, but how do you overcome it? If you live your life trying to avoid fear, you will never do anything incredible. You will not live an incredible life. How many of y'all want to live an incredible life? Yeah, right? Unless, if you're not raising your hand, I assume you want to live just the most meh meh life ever, just mid all the way through, nothing exciting, no vacations, no incredible things, no awesome relationship, no dynamic love between a husband and a wife, no incredible kids, no incredible experiences, never God moving in your life. If, that, if you didn't raise your hand, you want mid, cool, bro. If you want mid, you can get it. But if you want incredible, you have to overcome your fears. Can I tell you that there is nothing incredible that you've seen somebody do that they weren't scared to do. Like, I know we like to think like, oh man, when I'm older, it'll be easier, bro. That's not true. One of my favorite, my, one of my favorite conversations, I shared it last, last week about my dad when I asked him, I was like, dad, am I ready to get married? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> sure. And I was like, dad, how do I know if I'm ready though? I don't feel ready. And he goes, Taylor, you're never ready. I don't know that's about marriage, but then I ask him the same question when I'm getting ready to have Brandy, and I didn't have her, Erica had her, amen, thank you, Jesus. I was there, gentlemen, I didn't get queasy. There's no other dads in here, I don't think, but uh, I did a good job. True. Rock solid. But every big thing, every big decision you will make, there will probably be some fear connected to it. But can I tell you, avoiding fear is not, is not gonna lead you to a successful, incredible life. Overcoming fear is what will lead you to those things. First John 4.18 says this, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Can I tell you that a lot of our fear in this context is us not spending enough time in Jesus' love for it to perfect us. Man, I'm scared of this. Man, I'm scared of the economy. You're 12, chill out, right? Oh God, inflation, right? The only thing inflating is literally how much your McChicken costs. Chill out, you 13 year old, right? There's all these things, I'm so scared. I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm not gonna make the team. I I wanna go to college for basketball, but I don't think I'm good at all this fear. The way you overcome it is by being perfected in love. 
by spending more time with Jesus and learning more about what he has for you. The final question I want to ask tonight is which spirit has your attention? The spirit of fear or the Holy Spirit? I'll ask again, which spirit has your attention? The spirit of fear or the Holy Spirit? I want to close in a story. And I think this is how most of us view fear as a believer with Jesus, okay? There's a little boy and he's afraid of the dark. How many of y'all remember being afraid of the dark, right? All right, tell the truth. If you had a nightlight, come on. Come on, still do. I love it. I'm here in the front. She's like, I still do, right? I remember, I remember uh, uh, like there was a little bit of a season when I was scared and then I was like, I can't do it because I couldn't fall asleep. How many of y'all need the room pitch black? Like you climb up and like put stuff over things. Like you're like at a hotel room. You're like, I, I bring this black electrical tape just to cover up the lights, right? You're like, you look like a murderer. Stop that. Right? And I think, and I think there's moments, right? And we, we remember being scared. And this little boy, he's scared of the dark. And one night his mother tells him to go to the, out to the back porch and bring her the broom. She had been sweeping the day before and she'd left the broom outside and she needed to do some sweeping. The little boy turns to his mother and says, Mama, I don't want to go out there. It's dark. The mother smiles reassuredly at her, reassuringly at her son. You don't have to be afraid of the dark, she explains. Jesus is out there. He'll look after you and protect you. The little boy looks at his mother real hard and asks, are you sure he's out there? And she responds, yes, I'm sure. He's everywhere and he is always ready to help you when you need him, she says. The little boy thinks about that for a minute and then goes to the back door. He cracks it a little, peering out in the darkness. He goes, Jesus, if you're out there, would you please hand me the broom? And a lot of us, view fears in the same way. Jesus, can you make this go away? Jesus, can you solve this for me? Jesus, just eliminate the decision. <laughs> Jesus, just stop and take it all away. Can I tell you, I think he can do that. But I also know he loves to create character in us. He loves when we trust him and step out and go, man, I'm scared to do this. Jesus, you're going to be with me, but Jesus is not going to be like, if you're scared and you're like, you know, I, I could imagine that Erica in the same moment when she's about to give birth to Brandy is like, Jesus, can you just do this? Can you just deliver this baby? I don't want to do it. And don't get me wrong. I think Jesus miraculously could have done that, but there wouldn't have been the experience and the character built inside of her to go like, no, I can do really, really tough things. No, no, I got, I got a different level of care for this child because I know what it costs to bring them into this world. The question I want to ask you is in the face of every fear, you have a choice. Who are you listening to? The spirit of fear or the Holy Spirit? And I'll close with this verse. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? John 16, says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world, you have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. As we close tonight, Maybe you're in this place and you say, Pastor Taylor, I, uh, if I'm really honest, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. 
All heads bowed, all eyes closed is a private moment between every single person in Jesus. And you say, that's, that's me, Pastor Taylor. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're in this place and you say, Pastor Taylor, I used to have a relationship with Jesus, but I have walked away. I have walked away from Jesus. I need him. I want Jesus to be the Lord, to be the leader in my life. If that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor Taylor. I need Jesus in my life. Would you just raise your hand right now all across this place? I wanna pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you that have raised your hand, thank you so much. You can put them down. Altar team, can you go ahead and get into position? If that's you and you raise your hand, I'm gonna ask you to do a bold thing. I'm gonna ask you, if you raise your hand, to get out of your seat and come find somebody to pray with up here. They're gonna lead you in a prayer. But the reason we do this one-on-one um, -on -one is because I want somebody to encourage you, to coach you in this prayer. And honestly, for you not to be alone in this, for you to feel supported by those around you. So if that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And if you raise your hand, I want you to get out of your seat and come find somebody to pray with. And the rest of the room is gonna go nuts and celebrate and hoot and holler and go nuts because the greatest decision anybody will ever make in their life is choosing Jesus to be the Lord of their life. If that's you and you raise your hand, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to get out of your seat. One, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Two, this is between you and Jesus. Three, if that's when you raise your hand, would you stand up and make your way down here? Come on, can we go nuts for them? Come on, can we go nuts for them? Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on. Would you all mind standing to your feet as we get ready to close tonight? Stand to your feet all across this place, all across this place. And if you're real honest, you've been struggling with a spirit of fear. If you're in this place, you say, that's me. I'm struggling with a spirit of fear, Pastor Taylor. And I want somebody to pray with me because uh, 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 stress, remember we talked about last week, it's, it can be connected to time, to money, and to relationships. But if you are struggling with a spirit of fear, something spiritual that is affecting the way you li live your life, the way you uh, connect with God, the, way, the choices that you make, and it's a spiritual connection. It's a spiritual thing. If that's you, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes across this place. And if that's you and you say, that's me, Pastor Taylor, I, I, need, I need some prayer because I got a spirit of fear that just, just bothers me. Jesus, I pray right now, boldness. God, those who have a spirit of fear, God, I'm just praying right now that they would gain boldness to come down to the front and receive prayer over that. God, I break off that spirit of fear, even right now, that wants to immobilize them, that wants to hold them in place, that wants to freeze them and keep them from stepping out and receiving prayer in this moment. If that's you and you've been wrestling with a spirit of fear, maybe in school, maybe in, in relationships, if that's you, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to get out of your seat. If you're struggling with a spirit of fear, God wants to break that off you tonight. One, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Remember, a spirit of fear wants to keep you in place, but God says, come close, trust me, and I'm gonna break that fear off of you. Two, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you're afraid of. God wants freedom in your life. Three, if that's you and you've got a spirit of fear that's been coming after you, come up here, find a person to pray with. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Can we celebrate those who are making their way up here? Come on. 